because Rus is one of the most, you know, one of the profound pieces in the Novi. It's a story, it's a Megillah, and there's so much to learn from Rus, the whole story, which we really could see and put it to use in our personal life. So, I first want to explain a Hasidic concept, which was brought down from the Rizal in many, many Hasidim. Many, many Hasidim quote this Rizal. If you watch, what, what happened was that there were two women who Malchis based David was created. Yehuda represents Malchus. Yehuda from the Shevet Yehuda. Yehuda from the fourth child of, of uh, Yaakov Avini. His kingship. From him came out David, Shlema, etc. and Mashiach. And the Torah says a very interesting story. The Torah says what happened the Torah says what happened to to Tamar. Tamar lost two of her husbands, Eir Ba'inam. And the Torah says, describes that she got married to them, they died. And then Tamar was waiting that, you know, maybe Yehuda is going to give him the third child, Shailu. And that didn't happen. She saw it's not happening. So we have this famous story where Tamar initiates, gets dressed as a Zaina and initiate, she becomes pregnant. Famous story, she gets dressed and then she gets herself pregnant. And as she's fully pregnant, three months pregnant, and they tell Yehuda, Tamar became pregnant somehow. So he says they should take her out to, to, to Misa, to Berna. Thank you. Take out to Misa. And she says, I'm willing to die. There's a famous Gemara. She says, if Yehuda does not want to say that he made me pregnant, I'm willing to die. She didn't say what she did. She sent him the, the staff, the ring, and the scarf, which was the one that she gave him. She gave it, the, they had an exchange when they were together. And if I am pregnant to the owner, Big Mother says, she says, if he doesn't admit, I'm willing to die. Amazing. And, and Yehuda admitted, and Tzadka Memeni, and twins were born, and that's how Malchus started. We could get the parents of Zorach were born, and that's how Malchus, based Dovid, is going to, the whole Malchus kingship in Kali, so it was, that was the first story. Rus, twins. And the Rus, now you have to remember how similar the story is going to be. Here was Eir, the Oinen died, first two children died. Then she initiated in a very, doesn't sound like a very sneezing way. This lady gets dressed as a, in the fork roads, dressed as Zoyna, how do you say Zoyna in English? Prostitute. She was, whatever Jewish was then. She got dressed as a prostitute and somehow got Yehuda to do it. And then, and so she became pregnant in a very, doesn't seem in a very nice way. The Chazal say, clearly, she meant the Shem Shemaim. She really, there was no like, you know, she wanted to have children from him. She was so determined. Then, the same story gets played by Rus. Rus was, and, and, and let me just explain this in briefly the story. Elimelech and Naomi lived in a city called Beis Lechem, the house of bread. Very interesting. It's called the house of bread. Beis Bet Lechem. City in the old city called Bet Lechem. That's the city. And there was a hunger. Again, food. There was a hunger because of the hunger, Elimelech left Israel with his two sons and wife, which was a terrible mistake. You were a leader. He was one of the leaders. Where are you running? A leader runs away. A leader should try to help the people. And he ran away. He dished. Dished, you say in English? He dished. 
his responsibility. Instead of being a responsible person, doing the right thing, being a leader, he just decided to pick himself up and run to Moyev, which he sort of took off his responsibility. I don't want to be responsible. And he came to, to, to Moyev, and on, you know, two single boys, they're both looking for wives, lonely guys, and Machlein and Kilyoin marry two non-Jewish ladies. They were not, they were not even Giyotis yet. They were totally not Jewish. Rus and Arpo. Machlein married Rus, and, and, and Kilyoin married Arpo. And what happens? All, all three men die. Elamelech dies, Machlein dies, Kilian dies, and Nomi is left with her two daughter-in-laws. You know, and uh, what I, this is a side thing I always point out to, to people. It's fascinating. They're coming back from, from Mayov, and Machlein is, uh, who died, and his wife was Rus, Rus is in love with Nomi. She says, I don't want to leave you. I want to be Jewish. And Nomi says, maybe not. And they're crying together. Now, as a rabbi, I always experience when, when a guy marries a non-Jewish lady, they never, they never say that it's, you know, it's my son's fault. It's the girl who dragged him down. I once was dealing with a mother, and she was furious that her son, a religious boy, you know, you know, I was living with a non-Jewish lady, and uh, you know, and uh, talking about he was really religious, and uh, and who did he blame? The mother blaming the girl. I said, "Hello, I mean, uh, what's the na- nature of people?" Here, even more, uh, 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 more even in- incredible. Machling died. He died. It's such a tragedy. You usually want to blame someone. Nomi did not play the blame game. She says, he died. I know Rus, you're a nice lady, but he tried to convince her not to be Jewish. Go back home, take care of, uh, go back to your, your, your grand, she was a granddaughter of, uh, of a king. She was a princess. So, no, she was determined to become Jewish. So she comes, and when they come back to Etzisol, they're coming to time when they're cutting wheat. Again, food. And she, they were so poor that Nomi and Rus, Nomi sends Rus, go collect Lake Shikhope. You know what Lake Shikhope? You know that when they cut the wheat, if it falls down one or two, the poor people ought to pick it up. So you grab wheat and you cut it. It's like, you know, if something falls, you're not allowed to pick it up. The poor people have a right to pick it up. This was, you know, according to the, uh, you know, it's like a, whatever fell, not too much. And Rus went. And this is what she only thing that she had. It was so poor. And then she meets Boyaz, and Nomi says, sends her in the middle of the night, I want you to go to Boyaz. And she sends her to the mikveh, and she says, you know, try to do something with him. And Boyaz wakes up in the middle of the night and gets frightened. He says, I am not touching you. We're going to do this the right way. And the next day, he, he has a meeting, and he says, "There's before me. There's another uncle who is who should really marry you and redeem the properties that were sold." We don't know who his name was. His name was Ploinian Moini. Ploinian Moini means like John Doe. Doesn't say his name. Ploinian Moini is like an anonymous. Doesn't say his name. So what happens is is. And he says, I want to say over the way it says in the past and what the Madrid says. He says, to, uh, Boya says, why don't you marry this girl who came back from Stay Mayo? He says, you know, you're not allowed to marry a Mayuvi. You know, certain people you're not allowed to marry. You're not allowed to marry an Egyptian. You're not allowed to marry a Mayuvi. He says to him, you realize the male is not allowed to marry a Jewish girl. But a female Mayuvis, you are allowed to marry. So you are allowed to marry. You know what Polonia Maini says to him? I don't need such coolers. You have such interesting coolers. I don't want it. If you believe in the cooler, you do it. Okay? So Boyas says, okay, he doesn't want to marry. I'll marry her. So Boyas goes and makes, gets together a minion, 
barely a minion, and they make a wedding. Now, Boyaz, before he married, they told her, are you sure you want to marry me? I am a lot older than you. There's a different opinions in the Medish how much age difference there was. He didn't. Before we go further, I want to tell you another piece of history that doesn't say Rus. The Gemara says Boyaz had 30 children. Some say 60 children for many different wives. There was a plague in his town and everyone died. Now imagine this, a man, not young man, loses his whole family, entire, entire family, and this lady wants to marry him. So he says to her, you know, before you marry me, I'm not young. She says, I'm not interested. I just want to marry you. She was gung-ho to marry him. They get married. In the morning, she wakes up, and he doesn't wake up. So the one night they were together. Can you imagine this big levaya, the big, big uh, eulogy, and going, uh, making this, um, taking, you know, they're talking about it. Everyone is going to the funeral. What do you think people were saying? What a tragedy. He lost all his children, and he got involved in this young girl who came from Mayo. Oh, maybe that's why it happened. It looked, on paper, a tragedy of tragedy. <laughs> Horrible. And there's a famous thing that we want to leave over, at least someone who's going to say Kaddish, a son, a son-in-law, who's going to say praise and shul. So people said he didn't leave anyone behind him. He's gone. No one is going to remember him. Who's going to remember him? You know, usually at least three generations, my great-grandfather, and uh, you know this great guy, and... Uh, no one's going to remember him. He left no children. And the most amazing thing after what happened was, Rus became pregnant with that night. And she had Oivad, Oivet, and Yishai. Yishai, the Gemara says, such a tzaddik, he never sinned in his life. And she had Dovid, Shloime, Meshich is going to come out, and all the great Tanum, Hillel, Rabbeinia Kudish, all these were grandchildren of Boyaz. Now, in life, you look at the story itself, the story of, of, of Rus, right now, living in the moment, it looks like the most horrific thing you can imagine. A guy loses 30 children, or 60. And then he had, finally meets a young lady who's willing to take care of him old age or something. He dies, doesn't wake up in the morning. Now, what do you think people say? Oh, she became pregnant. No, no, she became pregnant. No, no, big deal. Became pregnant. Oh. Uh, offering what's, what's going to happen with this child. No father, no. The two mothers were taken care. That says in the Pasik, Nami Rus raised this young boy. And this young man had a grandchild, Dovid Amalek, and the entire Malchus came out from Rus. When Shleima Amalek, four generations later, she lived very long, Rus. Very long. She, she outlived her son, Oivad, Yishai, Dovid, Shleimah. When Shleimah Melech built this palace in the throne, he had a special seat next to him for his great-great-great-great-grandmother, Rus. And his mother sat on one side, and his uh, Rus on another side. Bathsheba was his mother, and Shleimah sat in the middle. Imagine, he had a special throne made for the mother of kingship. So at the moment, when, you're going through, when, when people look at this story, it looked terrible. In, in, in life, we all have this sometimes in life. When we're living through a terrible time, it looks terrible. At that moment, you know, what's going to be? You know, I mean, you don't even know how. How, you know, I want to say over an interesting story. One of the, one of the people in my shul is very close to me told me this fascinating story. His uncle, he's talking about, the, talking about a generation before me, my father's generation, so he tells me like this, in 1933, or not 34 this was, his uncles decided to leave Hungary. It was the southern part of Hungary. There was Romania there maybe. They decided to go to America. He says, my father couldn't go because he had too many children. He had seven children. So my uncles all left, and they came to America. And, and when 
when the tzorah started, when the terrible thing, tragedy happened in, in, in Europe, he remembers thinking, you know, my uncles are so lucky they all left. And truthfully, they were. They didn't go through the Holocaust. In truth, they didn't, you know, they were, uh, the parents survived and lived in, happened to move to San Francisco, Oakland, and everything, you know. In paper, a look that this was a tragedy of tragedy for this family, that all his uncles survived. He says to me, it's 60 years later. So he told me a few years ago. And I look at history. It's very painful, but the truth is, none of my uncle's children are even Jewish. They're intermarried. He says, maybe the two or three grandchildren there from the uncles that went, who's, who are Jew, because they're all married non-Jewish people, finished. You know, they're not interested in religion, not associated with any religion. He says, here, unfortunately, I had to go through this Holocaust, the horrific, but in reality, right now, 60 years later, isn't there, you know, Baruch Hashem, he has a, an enormous amount of grandchildren, great-grandchildren who are religious. Doesn't, doesn't make things, the Holocaust, less. But in history, when we look at things right at the moment, sometimes it could look like the story of Ruth is horrible. And then later, as you move away from it, you know, we don't know anyone who was in that generation. Many people went to the funeral. We don't know who they are. We don't even know who Ploini Almoini is, John Doe. We don't know who John Doe is. And the Gemara tries to find his name. In Rus, it doesn't say his name. One of them says, Toive was his name. One of them says, different names, but his, we don't know his name. But we do know who Rus is, and we do know who Boyaz is. At the moment, it looked the most unfortunate thing, but we do know who Boyaz is. Now, let me explain in Hasidus a very, very, very interesting thing. I'm going to try to explain it because it's a little bit Kabbalah, but I'm going to try to make it simple, make it simplified. Chava initiated the sin with Adam. What happened was Chava was the one who gave Adam Arishan the forbidden fruit and convinced him to eat it. So, what we call in Hasidus, in Kabbalah, the responsibility that a person has got flawed. No, we are responsible. Chava Udom had a responsible job. Hashem told him, do not eat on this tree. You violated it. It's not only we violated that we did an Aveda, as a sin was done. Besides that, but there was a blemish in being responsible. But you didn't do your job. Malchus means taking upon yourself to do the mitzvahs, taking upon yourself a man. Uh, I always explain, the Zoe says a very interesting thing. The Zoe says, a man before he gets married is called a male. He's a male. When is he called a man? Before he gets married, he's called a gever. Gever means male. When he gets married, he has a wife to take care of, he's called gavra. Gavra means, now you're a man. Now you have a lady to take care of it. You have to show your strength, your responsibility. That makes a man fulfilled. Because before you take the responsibility, you're just a, man, a male. Once you marry and you have to take care of a lady, this is the woman you take care of, this is the children you take care of, makes a man into a man. I always tell this to singles, there's no way in the world that I could express the feelings when a person gets married and he has a lady that he knows to take care of. It's most uplifting spiritual feeling to become a responsible person. The other way around, also, a woman before she gets married, she's called a female, not yet fully. When she takes, gets married, she has the responsibility of a husband and nurturing a husband, nurturing the children. That makes it complete. The responsibility that a man has to his wife and the wife has to the man makes them a complete thing. There's another great responsibility that we have, is to do the mitzvahs. Chava, who initiated, made, besides the violation, blemished, made the malchus not, a, had a, 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 a flaw into it. Means, you know, once, you know, the, in America, I've heard this from people, unfortunately, who drink. Once a drink, I say, once a drunk is always a drunk. You know, I had once a guy. And he didn't want to take even grape juice. I says, grape juice? 
Rabbi, I'm seven years sober. He says, even grape juice I don't take. I'm so machmer. I don't know if I take grape juice, what's going to happen next. He said, once, I, don't know, I think the words were, once a drunk, it has to be a, because, you know, we are not, most of us who are not addicted could drink wine. So we drink wine on Shabbos. So if you drink wine at night, well, a guy who's really an addict, he has to stay away from the remote. The same way, the malchis, the responsibility that we have as a person, became flawed when Chava, but Chava initiated. So there's two things that really have pagam. The sin itself is, you violated, you did a violation. Shem says, don't eat, and you did. Second, the malchus became flawed. I want to tell you an incredible, credible word, but what it says in the Baal HaMikibolam. The, the uh, Chava tells Hashem, Hanochosh Hashiani. The snake seduced me. It's a very difficult translation with Hashiani. Rashi explains Put a load on to me. The word Hashiani, that word, is incredible. I want to explain something in, in Kabbalah. You know, the Shem, uh, the, uh, when we say Hashem's name, we say Adna. He's our master. If you take the Dalit out of Adna, it becomes Ani. It's me. Just remove a Dalit. What is the becomes from the Adna? You know, Aleph, Dalit, Nun, Yud. If you take out the Dalit, it becomes Ani. See, Dalit represents Malchus. Yehuda was the fourth one. And the Zoid explains this. The letter Dalit always represents Malchus. You take that letter out, it's me. She and Dalit, Yud, is another name of Hashem. If you take that out, Dalit, it becomes Yesh. When a person is not a responsible person, it's all about me. Ani, Yesh. Yesh, Ani. Irresponsible people is the focus of them is, is always about themselves. Everything is about themselves. And, you know, it's the world, how do you say in English? The world turns on their axis. You know, it's all about me. Self-centered people. Now, we are, most of us, you know, we always think about ourselves. You wake up in the morning, it's, you think about your own needs. It's normal. But we have the capacity and healthy capacity to take care of our wife and the children, a job, be responsible, to be there for others too. A person who blemishes Malchus, very extreme, it's all about me. Hashi Ani is the letters Yesh Ani, Ani. It's all about, Ani is me, Yesh, it's all about me. When a person becomes irresponsible, takes Malchus off themselves, all their focus about themselves. Look, a great marriage is, let's be honest, we met some of us who are married here, yeah? is that you could think about your spouse. You could th- make her feel number one. And your spouse can make you feel number one. That's a great marriage where you feel that she is truly number one. And uh, that, because the responsibility a person has, makes, you know, when you make the other person feel one, and you, it's not just lip service, you know, sitting on the couch, honey, I love you. I mean, it's showing that it really means I really care. Every person, this makes a person malchus, responsible. When a person diminishes the malchus from themselves, they become very self-centered. So, hashiani, again, there's the two dollars that are taken out, it is a pagam, it makes it all about themselves. This needed a ticken. You know, any time when big things happen, you know, there has to have a ticken. Tukim has to be fixed, you know. So, this is why you understand the depths of the story with Tamar. Tamar, she initiated, Tamar is a Gilgal of Chava. She initiated Chava and was the one who initiated to give the food to other Marishan, to get him to sin. She to Malchus to be built, she had to initiate. She had to go through losing two husbands, and then she had to, you know, become pregnant in a not, in, what's the word in English? Not a, a conventional way, in an un- unconventional way. She had to become pregnant and willing to die. She was willing to die right now, if Yehuda doesn't admit, because she brought death to the world. She bought death because with the, her again, so she had to be willing to die, and she fulfilled her her tafkid, her, her mitzvah, and that's why she she was blessed, and she married Yehuda, lived with Yehuda, 
and how these two children, when King Malchus Beis David was built from them, the kingship of David from Yehuda was built with these two children. The same thing had to replay again. Now, it's, it's very complicated to explain in deep Kabbalah how this was, but again, this got replayed with Rus. This got played the second time. If you notice, everything has to do with food, as I explained. It was Beislechem, there was a hunger, and Boyaz shed his responsibility, ran away. When they came back, it was again the time of cutting wheat, and Boyaz gave her food, everything. I always tell the woman, I spoke Shabbos for the woman only, and I said, you know, in the Jewish home, everything is about food. It's the Shabbos food, now the Yonta food, and again cooking food, and you know, a big part of uh, Shabbos is you're not just resting, but it's the food. It is the Kovach Shabbos, the food. But, uh, the, but the point was over here, the tikkun had to happen in this whole thing because the, the Chava gave all the Mauritian to eat. So now this had to replay. She also had to lose her husband and lose again her husband and had to outlive them and feel this enormous pain. And she was the one with this also initiated into build Malchus because the two Dalits were had a pagam. And one, as I explained, was the sin, and one is just, just the Malchus was blemished. And this is how Malchus began to have a ticken. See, I always tell myself and people, we all keep Shabbos, and all of us keep kosher. The HR always tells us, cut a corner here. Come on, it has to be kosher. You know, and they buy potato chips. It doesn't have to have an OU. Come on, Rabbi. What could be wrong with the bag of potato chips? You know what I mean? Or, you know, I always tell people, like, you know, you, you know, muktzah. You know, I keep Shabbos, and I will never violate Shabbos. But, you know, you can't tell me that I have left a phone on the table. I can't move it. You know, we, we have in us... The, 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 it's called cutting corners. We like not to focus. Uh, we, we love to cut corners. I sneeze. Most, you know, from the woman that sneeze. But it's always, you know, it's, uh, you don't have to be 100% sneeze. 90% is good enough. I always joke, when you buy a car, I remember until today's day, I rented a van a few years ago. And the CD was it was Chalamoid, and my children, grandchildren were coming. So we figured we'd enter two big vans, and everyone's coming, and we didn't take them out. So one of the vans, the CD wasn't working. My daughters tell me, you have to give it back. I mean, the CD is not I said, we'll put on the radio. Put on the, no, Abba, <laughs> take it back to the rental. I mean, it got to be perfect. We're going to have it for days. It, it, you can't have it without a CD. Imagine buying a car and the CD is not going to be working. You'll just put it back. Comes to sneeze, if the dress is a little bit short, they're not going to give it back. It's okay, for now it's okay. It's hard. It doesn't have, doesn't have to be sneeze. It has to do with kosher, has to do with, you know, muktza. Always there's in us a, a part who likes to cut corners. That comes because the malchus was blemished. You understand? It was, you know, we want to, even being. Even being responsible, taking care of your wife, you know, taking a wife, taking care of a husband, taking the children, there's always a it's hard. Um, well, cut, cut it slack a little bit. You know, not totally. I'll do everything, but not 100%, only 95%. There is a Yetzirah, which is, it's called, that's how the Chesidim call it, the Chesidim call Pagam Hamalchis, where you don't want to be 100% responsibility. That's the challenge what we have. The challenge is that we should you know, think ourselves, you know, do Shabbos, you keep Shabbos completely. Keep the Taharas Meshpochet completely. It's like, you know, uh, I've often met people who they will never be intimate with the wife unless they go to the mikvah. But give her a touch, a hug, come on, Rabbi, it can't be so. You know, it's always the Yitzhahara, it always finds short ways. That is called the Pagam Hamalchus. Now that's what you know, we have to do, to take upon ourselves. When we say, it's Echad, is the Dalad again, is the big Dalad. We want to be responsible. You know what is amazing is, the more a person who is responsible, he takes upon himself to do the right thing, the better do you feel about yourself. You know, a, a person who takes care of someone, they feel so great about it. 
You, if you're married, you take care of a lady, your lady takes care of a man, of the children. There's an incredible feeling of the more responsible you are for yourself, the greater feeling, the more you do the mitzvahs for yourself. I want to do the right thing. Nothing to do. I want to do the right thing. There's a, a spiritual uplifting which fills unbelievable fulfilling. Because the word hashiani is very interesting. The word hashiani, I said before, means ani yesh. It's all about me. That word is hashiani. Mean, it's an incredible load. You know, I always notice the biggest catch in a community or is when you're not responsible. Responsible people don't catch so much. Yeah, you know, doesn't. We all love to catch. No, you know, well, you know, I always say, everyone, there's a catch in us, but to complain about this and always complaining about this and make a big thing about everything, the, the more people are responsible, the less they catch, they take care of themselves. They know my life has to do about myself. The more self-centered you are, the more unhappy you are, the more you're waiting other people to make you happy. Because it's all about me. You know, if my nose is hurting or tickling or this, someone out there has got to take care of me. I'm not taking care of But a person who has the feeling of malchus, that I have to take care of myself, I have to take care of others, do, are much happier and less, less depressed. Now, you know, you, know, you could be depressed being malchus too, but it is has a very powerful effect, Malchus with Simcha. It's very interesting that Rus and Yisroi is the same letters. The Rus, Yisroi has an extra U to it. Yisroi was Moshe um, Beni's um, father-in-law, he was, he was Megai himself, he was the first convert as Jewish people becoming a nation, he was the first convert. And Rus, which was the same letter, just the youth missing, she was, the, and there were many converts in Kalalisa, but she was the famous female convert who brought Malchus. And in Kabbalah there's a reason why this is this way, and it's, it's a, too complicated to explain, but the, you see Rus and Yisrael share the name. And there's a reason for this. It's, it's, it's the same thing Esther. Esther has the same letters too. And Esther was a queen. Esther has a tough and a resh. And Esther was a queen. And the Rizal says that Esther Rus is the same neshama. Because it says in Megillus Esther, Bagia Tor Esther, Bas Avichai. Tur, the word Tur is the letters Rus. Tov, Vov, Resh, Agia Tur. Tur means her turn which is the same words as Rus, because it, it is the same. Sometimes the Shomas have to come down and fix certain things. And this great Neshama of Esther was the Neshama of Rus, and she was a queen, and, and they had to bring this great Tikkunim. What did they, what, what, what exactly was the great Tikkun? That in the darkness of darkness, we can find Hashem. You have to remember, Rus, was in a very dark period of her life. I mean, she, I'm trying to picture this. Is, this was a lady who was a princess. And, you know, princess those days was treated the princess like, you know, you find in these uh, Arab countries, you know, they had a palace for themselves. It was, uh, she was a princess. And she loses one husband, and she's determined to be Jewish, marries a guy, and doesn't wake up in the morning. This was the darkness of darkness for her. You know, you know when you don't focus, you spoke in those story. yeah, it's a romantic story. No, this was a horrific thing for, as a personal person going through this. It's horrible. You know, she felt like a loser. I lost two husbands. Finally, I did get a husband. One night, and finished. And the rest of her life, she stayed single. It was, it was a darkness, and the truth was... This, this darkness came out the biggest light to the world. She brought down Ovid, Yishai, Dovid, Shloyman, Mashiach. She brought down Esther. Can you imagine Esther? Esther did the same thing she initiated. Let me explain something about Esther. Esther was a married lady. You know, the Megillah doesn't say clearly because they were afraid to write it into Megillah. But Esther, it says, was the daughter of Mordechai, a stepdaughter. Really, the Gemara says, he wasn't a stepdaughter. He, he really raised her, but he was his wife. Esther was the wife of Mordechai. And the Gemara says, and somehow, 
even though Esther was in the king's palace, somehow she managed to be intimate with Mordechai. Somehow, the mother says, what happened was, when the, the terrible decree came, Esther said to Mordechai, you know, I'm going to initiate after dress out as a queen. Now that I am initiating the whole thing, you know what's happening? I will never be able to live with you anymore. I'm going to lose you. Because if, if the, let me explain this. The Gemara says, if a married lady, the, uh, like Esther was a married lady, she had no choice but to be intimate with him. It's like being raped. She does not become forbidden to her husband. If a married lady does it willingly, she becomes forbidden for her husband. So he says, as long as I didn't initiate it, I could, she was able to be uh, intimate with Mordechai. Now that I initiate the whole thing, I'm going to get dressed, even though that's not my, my intent. My intent just to catch his attention. And she got dressed, and he just fell head over heels over her again. And that is causes that I will not be able to be. She said, Kasha, vodati, uvodati. I'm lost. I am lost. She knew this was a personal, unbelievable Mesiris Nefesh. That means I will never be able to be close to you again. And in that darkness of avodity, avodity, she saved the Jewish nation. In the darkness of darkness, her personal darkness of darknesses. Then she said to her, you know, the words of avodity, I am lost, I am lost. I will never, when she, until him, it says, the says, Esther was crying, Kaylee, Kaylee, Loma Zavtoni, why did you abandon me? She felt at that moment such an abandonment, but she knew I must do it. So even though she felt such a deep darkness and, and a loss, but she did it because she, she wanted to save Kali soul, because she, again, the same idea, Chava brought death to the world. Esther had to save Kali. So Esther was the Gilgal of Chava, and this ticking had to be. She had to give up everything that she had. She had to give up her husband for the sake of bringing life to Kali. So not they should not be wiped out. So in history, when you watch history, at the moment Esther was beside herself, she faced enormous pain. But Esther is remembered forever of a great deed. Her personal sacrifice was incredible, but she's remembered for that personal sacrifice forever. See, what the Torah teaches us, in the darkness of darkness, when you go through your personal darkness, there's always light there. We just don't see it. We're not lucky. Not all, everyone is Esther and Mordechai and Ruth and Boaz. 99% of the time, we have no idea why me. But we have to believe there's a reason for everything. This is our challenge in this world. Any question? Yes. Why Esther, Ruth, and Tomar, or Gilgal of Chaul? Show? No, she was a grandchild of Shoal. Yeah, this is a grandchild of something else, right? Yes. Some of the greatest scholars were converts. You know, Unculus. Unculus, you know, in the Chomish, the Unculus. Unculus was a convert, a Roman convert. Some of the greatest Shemayev of Talion were great, great, one was a, a great uh, Tanon from the early, early, and they were both two converts. Malchus. So the, the Rizal explains, let me tell you what the Rizal says. This is a little complicated, but I'll try to try to simplify it. When Chave sinned, you know, Claudius soul, let me, the concept works this way. We were all one soul. All the men was Adam and all the women was Chave. And this enormous soul. And we, we are, you know, that's why 
Love your neighbors and love yourself is such an important thing because we all are one. All the women were chava, all the men were Adam. When Adam and chava sin, the koyach of the negative power, the sitachren, sort of captured a bunch of souls, kidnapped a bunch of souls, and took it into the and the non, and, and, and into the koyches which is Rus and many, and that's why often you see converts coming back and they're incredible because really this soul was a holy soul. They were pulled, grabbed by, by, by the Sitachan, which is a complicated thing, not so easy to explain. Yes? That's true, what you're saying, but there is one that is 100% for everyone. There is the basic aloha is for everyone. So let's take a marshal. A guy eats only kosher. So I've heard from people, you know, when I have to have a meeting in a business meeting, associate, you know, I only eat vegetables in the store. Well, you don't know how you cut the vegetables, you don't know the plate was clean. They always like find ways, you know, to cut or, you know, uh, a guy asked me, a very sincere guy asked me a few weeks ago that, uh, you know, having a get-together the, the family, and, and it happens to me, my wife is not going to be clean. My, you know, I don't feel comfortable walking into the, the party while holding my wife's hands. This is the way I could hold her hand. So, you know, I said, yeah, I did it before, you know, when I have this mishigas, mishigas, me idiosyncrasy, when I come in public, I have to grab a hand. You know, now, that's cutting corners. There's no header. You know, thought maybe there's a way out. Maybe, you know, certain things is clear. You know, certain things is clear. Now, a person can add things that, are, you know, not so important, you know, which is humra. But certain keeping kosher, the detail is, you know, it can't move muksa. You know, people keep Shabbos, will do nothing. But come on, you can't this, the phone was left on the table. There must be a way that I could move it. Yeah, there are ways in Aloha with the back of your elbow. Or there are, but people have this that even even Aloha, which is clear, forbidden, they would cut corners. Yeah, it's true. That is true. That is true. We're talking about a guy knows already. He knows. Yeah. Guy knows I shouldn't be eating a non-kosher restaurant cut vegetables. He knows that. Talking about from for birth, has the meeting, and they say, well, I'm not going to, I'm only going to eat fish. You know, one of those. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, that's true that he doesn't know yet. He has to learn. He has to grapple. But very often we do know, we have a sense of knowing, but we push it away. The push, when we know and push it away, that's the cutting corner. A person doesn't know, we have to learn to know. But often we know this is the right thing to do, and it's forbidden to do it differently. You know, but it's only a small piece. It's only a tiny piece. Yes? Yes, that is true. That is true. That is true. Besides the car, the car must be perfect. But that's true what you said. That is true. The same people cut corners in business. I find that to be true. Same people cut corners. It comes to the business deal. They was like, you know, try to be a little bit cutting corners. That's true. But that is true. It is a personality. That's true. And this comes, where does this come from? The guy is responsible, he's doing a good job. Why can't you, why do you have to leave early? Why don't you just come in time and leave on time? I think that's a good example. You have a worker who gets paid by the hour, you want him to be from 9 to 5. He comes 10 minutes late, and he writes down on the chart, I came in time, he leaves 10 minutes early, and the boss doesn't mind, you know, you know we rationalize. That comes... Because there's a, a blemish in the malchus, sort of the responsibility got uh, is blemished, and this is what we need to strive uh, to see. We, and the truth is, when you do the things hundred percent, you feel hundred percent better. When a guy pushes himself and he says, "I'm not leaving five minutes earlier," and I'm not going to cheat in the chart, they feel so much better about themselves. 
No one feels great. You know, I feel so great that I cheated my boss 10 minutes. You know, I feel good. None of us, you know, doesn't, doesn't make you feel good about yourself. What did you say? There's another aspect to this, which Ramnachman speaks a lot about. One of the things he says about this also is to bring simcha into your life. He keeps on, Ramnachman explains when there's happiness in your life, it's much easier to, to do the things complete. When, you know, I always say this when we are depressed, that's the time you get a ticket for parking the wrong side of the street. Rarely does it happen when you're in a good mood, you get, you get a ticket. It's always when you're depressed, the police happens to pull you over. You know, it's, you say it's not your day. It works the other way around. You were depressed, you're not paying attention. So, not, and if you're in a happy mood, happiness makes you alert, makes you want to do the right thing. And happiness is a very challenging thing. There's no question about it. It's much easier to do many things than to be happy. Simcha is a demanding thing. You know, like you go, as I say, we are born a kvetch. You know, and I, I tell this to newlyweds all the time. The day you're going to compliment your wife or the spouse as much as you criticize her, you'll be a great husband. The day you're going to compliment her with the same passion you criticize, criticize you'll be a great, great husband. See, our criticism comes with a geschmack, you know, with the passion, and comes. Oh, but when we compliment, oh, thank you, it comes. We have to run to get a card from, the, from Hallmark to say, I love you. I say, people, Hallmark is a multi, I didn't realize, someone told me Hallmark makes movies, not just cards. So it started with cards, because we don't know how to articulate, I love you, I care about you, you mean so much to me. We need a guy to write it, buy a card. You know, I, I challenged my daughters one many, many years ago. They should find me a card of criticism. So one daughter went to a hallmark in the valley. They have a whole store. She couldn't find only how to criticize a teenager when the room was messy. And the whole criticism was in a humorous way. Because you know why? We know how to criticize better than hallmark. We don't need hallmark to teach us. Second, no, this card is too small. You know, our criticism comes lavish. We repeat, we don't care if the grammar's right, we don't care if it's the grammar, it's repetitious. You know, when I, I once pointed out to my daughter, we were, I didn't know it was Mother's Day, and we come into the store, we see people standing a few years ago, they're standing in, in the council. My daughter says, it's Mother's Day. They tell my daughter, let's see who's standing there, and we we'll do the shopping, come do the shopping, it takes about 20 minutes, come back to the aisle and rouse with her. Almost half of the people still standing there two minutes later. I tell my daughter, do you think when he called up his mother and yelled at his mother, he took him 20 minutes to figure out which words to say? No, he just picked up the phone and let her have it. All of a sudden, you went to your mom, I love you. It takes 20 minutes to figure out which card you're going to get her. Because criticism comes very easy. That doesn't, like this, and it flows and it comes and it has its own motive, its own machine, and no one, no one ever went to a therapist, I don't know how to do it, teach me how to quetch and criticize. Well, you know, everyone knows that. To be positive, you gotta work on, you gotta think positive, you have to teach yourself to be positive. When a person is happy, then the malchus has an aliyah, it's called. Malchus gets uplifted, it has a, it's able to do, when you're happy, when you do, see, when you do something with you're happy, you really do a good job. You know, one of the, I have some of my, and uh, Toby, he, he works for human resources for a huge bank. The first thing we want to know when a guy applies to a job, he says, is he has a happy disposition and he likes what he's doing. You know, all the, you know, bachelor's degree, that, you know, we have learned that means nothing. Do you like what you're doing and your happy disposition? Because you can like it, but you be negative, and it also doesn't work. They want to see if you're happy and you enjoy. If you enjoy doing, you can do a good job, period. When you're not happy with what you're doing, you can be brilliant, and you can have all the degree and all the experience he says we watch, it doesn't work. When a person is happy what he does, he does a good job. See, today the sun is going to set with your smile, without your smile. Today we have a whole beautiful day still. And, and we had a beautiful day yesterday. If you were smiling, you had a great Shabbos. But it's up to you. So you have to tell yourself, it's me who could be happy. It's me today who could take charge of the day and to, take, to make my day a day. 
doesn't depend on my children, on my wife. Doesn't, you know, I have a, a lot of headaches today myself. A lot of important issues I'll take care of the community. But I, I'm not going to let not be happy. It's my life that I have to be happy with. And if you take charge of your life, it really, really, your whole life changes. Any other question? Yes. Well, Rus, the Gemara, you know, that's, in Kabbalah it's very complicated, which it takes, uh, but in Rus, in the Gemara translates, she, she had a grandchild, David, who continuously was thirsty to pray to Hashem. That's what Rus means. Rus means she was always um, uh, wanted a Davon. David the Melech, but it, in Kabbalah has a whole different explanation. So, I know it's going to be Yantiv this week, and I know everyone is going to have some cheesecake or some cheese dish. We Ashkenazim make a big thing about it. But I want you to work more on something more important. Try to be really happy, Yantiv. Walk around. You know, when you smile, it's contagious. It's very hard when you smile. You know, I have a raised many teenagers and bunch of, have a bunch of girls uh, they go through the teen years and I am adamant I walk into the house and she's, my daughter's not smiling I stand and I smile till she plots and they all thank me you know remember as teenagers you made her smile because it's you know it's a great feeling it is a great feeling you know nothing is you could smile we don't, there's a part of us who doesn't want to smile the part of us inside who and if you get someone to smile, you smile yourself. Life is so much, much easier. Okay, thank you, and have a good yantas.